I can make a decision immediately and I'll be 100% comfortable with it. But then, I, you know, a day or two later, I'll be like, well, that really wasn't the best decision. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Mike Payton with the EOS Leader Podcast. And today I'm really excited to introduce you to the founders of Innovatech, Daniela and Vladimir Kovacevic. They have quite a story. As young and talented athletes from Serbia, Daniela and Vlad had two passions, sports and computers. Daniela left in 1997 during the Yugoslav War to pursue a sports scholarship in the United States. Vlad followed a few years later. After college and a stint at Kodak's advanced X-ray manufacturing plant in Oregon, they moved to Canada in 2006, where Daniela received her MBA at the University of British Columbia, specializing in finance and business intelligence. From the start, Daniela and Vlad have been helping clients leverage technology and innovation to solve business problems. Their first breakthrough came helping an auto lender drive efficiency and improve the customer experience for their borrowers. Innovatech was born, and it has now become a leading provider of modular lending platforms for the auto and equipment finance industry throughout the United States and Canada. So please join me in welcoming Daniela and Vlad Kovacevic. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Peyton. Good to be here, too. Thank you. And uh, it's a real pleasure being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. You have a more interesting, intriguing story than most of the guests I have on this show. So one of you walk me through your journey from young, passionate, hardworking athlete to running a business in British Columbia, one step at a time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can give you a bit of a way that I remember it, and Daniela will probably remember it a little differently, so correct me (laughs) when I... And more accurately. And more accurately, that's right. (laughs) That's what I meant to say. (laughs) You know, it, it is a bit of a unique dynamic, sort of working and living together, and for us, I think it's always been more of an advantage than a disadvantage. Sometimes people ask me, you know, how can you do that? And I'm like, how can you not do that? Mm. Because it's really nice to have somebody that, you know, if I have to be in a meeting and it's 8 p.m., I don't have to explain or just like it's Danielle understands why and how. And she gets it. She's probably the one that scheduled the meeting for me. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, like if you look back in the story, I think you kind of summarized it really well. You know, Daniela had an opportunity to come to U.S. and an exchange student and pursue some of her sports uh, ambitions. And she did really well. As she always points out, then she found a way to bring me in, uh, help me get a scholarship. So I came in a few years later in 2000. And then partially because I had to restart from the beginning, didn't get all the credits. You know, it took me a bit longer to finish. <laughs> and Daniela was done in 2001 and got a job at Kodak. And she was nice enough to then uh, help me uh, get an internship at Kodak. And so <laughs> you could say that even in those early days, you know, we really always work together like uh you know my first job as an intern at kodak daniela was there i I think we sort of never really even thought about it it just kind of naturally evolved in those early years and you know there's some really good things about being at a company the size of kodak like there's a lot of structure a lot of processes they had some really amazing innovation and so on and so forth so you know we learned a lot both of us and then when we came to canada in 2006 we also sort of figured out what we didn't want to do which really was being another very, very large company with a lot of bureaucracy and red tape, because both of us were always more on the doer side and wanted to, you know, see the change and implement it and move quickly. 
and those mature organizations like Kodak, there is always going to be a significant amount of process. And I don't want to call it red tape. It is a necessary process, especially when you're dealing with x-ray film and quality is so important. Like all of that is necessary, but it always felt like we could have done more quicker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you learn very quickly in an entrepreneurial company that if the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, four steps to go in a straight line gets a little frustrating pretty quickly. So... Totally. All right, Daniela, now I want you to clean up that story and add some color as well. It was pretty accurate, I have to say. Uh, (laughs) We always worked together, like Vlad said, from the early days, and and we kind of learned how to do that. We learned each other's style. We learned, I feel like we complement each other quite well with pros and cons. And and there's that understanding, kind of knowing what the business requires, and uh, especially as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of long hours and weekends and and all those exceptions that you have to make. So so there's that understanding. And often I, I think of Innovatech as our child, because when you're thinking about business and all, everything that it needs, it's such an integral part of our family from mm-hmm. uh, really early stages and, and, and from the beginning that you kind of learn to live and the whole family learns to behave <laughs> and act around it. <laughs> yes. And when you give birth to it and work your tail off to raise it and it doesn't respect and appreciate that enough, your business makes you angry as well, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It's very good parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dive into the athletic careers just a little bit so the listener gets a sense of who you are and, and how accomplished you are as performers. So Vlad, you have a background in track and field. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I grew up in Belgrade and I was always interested in in sports. Uh, Obviously, as most kids in Europe, the first sport you play is soccer. And then uh, some of us find ways to basketball and other things. And and so that's kind of how I started. But then literally one day, just out of even, I don't even know what led me to it, I walked onto the Red Star track and field stadium and just uh, they happened to have a track and field practice. So I just kind of joined and I started my career as a track and field athlete. And I, I really enjoyed it. It lasted for about three years at that time, you know, competing in local and regional uh, events. Unfortunately, because of all of the economic and political situation, we couldn't travel much, but you know, it was fun. It was really sort of my first introduction of what it means to be a professional athlete and what the needs are and how much training there is behind the scenes and how little of it you actually see when you're watching an event. It's easy to sort of gloss over countless hours of work and effort that go behind, you know, you being prepared for an event. And then obviously after track and field, I did basketball for about a year and then I moved to to U.S. Yeah. And uh, one of my other clients who has a, quite an athletic career is, says he used to get frustrated when people complimented him on being a gifted athlete because he felt like that <laughs> meant they didn't appreciate how hard you have to work to refine those oh, natural sure. gifts. So, And then, Daniela, tell us about your stellar career in athletics as well. As Vlad said, sports is such an integral part of your daily life when you're uh, growing up in Serbia. So I also played a lot of sports. And then when I was uh, maybe seven or eight, I really focused on on basketball. And through my basketball career, while I was in Serbia, I played for Serbian uh, national team. Like Vlad said, it, it was kind of tough time. So we didn't do tons of traveling, but certainly uh, a bit. And it was just really fun kind of growing up and and playing sports. And then um, I had an opportunity to come to U.S. as an exchange student and then later on play uh, basketball at the university. Unfortunately, uh, in the first year, I got injured and Mm. 
had to look at other ways to secure the scholarship at that time. And uh, luckily, I had good grades <laughs> and good uh, academic records. So, uh, so then I went into engineering and later on into the business. Yeah. Yeah. Your educational pedigree is super impressive. And quite frankly, I'm quite a bit more intimidated than I normally am here, Vlad. So you need to run cover for me today. <laughs> That's you. okay. Daniela definitely the one that's more into that side of the, the work, and she's always done an amazing job. She's being very modest. Like, you know, her scholarship was, was with a Division One NCAA, and she did really, really well in basketball. Yeah. yeah. No, did the two of you ever play one-on-one? Oh, I love that I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I always win. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I think we could stop here, and uh, the listeners will, will have. But he has a list of excuses of every course. time. Of course. Bad weather. <laughs> of course. That's good, Glad. And if you could send those excuses to me, I could use that from time to time as well. So. Yeah, you know, I've learned how to uh, how to deal with this over the years. Yeah, yeah, it's called forced humility. Is uh... that's right. That's right. <laughs> well done. So, one question I've got for you. So, Vlad, you're the visionary at your organization. Daniela, mm-hmm. you're the integrator, and do you still sit in the finance seat as well? I do. Yeah. I sit in the operations, finance, and accounting, and HR as well. And so I'm interested to, that, Vlad, your primary focus as an athlete was in an individual events forum, and Daniela's was in a team sport. And I wonder if that has something to do with the same tendencies that drive visionaries to be visionaries and integrators to be integrators, because, of course, integration is more important in basketball than it is in the long jump or 100-yard dash or what have you. So any thoughts on that? Has this been a natural thing for you, Daniela, your whole life, that making the pieces of a team play together more effectively is something you've been good at, or is that something you've had to learn? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an interesting uh, observation. And just going back, my strengths were always around organizing people, around collaboration, making sure Mm. the team uh, functions well. We had an interesting discussion because our kids are also in sports and they played tennis, which is very individual sports, and then volleyball later, which is a group sport. So we had always a lot of discussion how different personalities fit better for different sports. So definitely um, what you said in terms of some of the natural inclinations makes sense and then really resonates. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And just a little curious. So let's talk a little bit about your company, how you started it your little journey. Give me a little two-minute history, where you are today and where you see the future going, if you would. Well, I I mean, you know, like most businesses, there is a bit of a luck, bit of timing, bit of ability to recognize what's coming and what's needed in an industry. I think for us, being at that environment at Kodak and then coming to Canada and deciding to kind of do consulting on our own to start with has set us on the path where our first customer ended up being an auto finance company. And What became very obvious to me coming from a manufacturing background is that they were in a manufacturing business, but they just didn't realize it. And if we were to apply a lot of the manufacturing principles and techniques and approaches, you could really turn that business around significantly. So, you know, when we started with them in 2006, I think within three months, both Daniel and I are like, you know, this is it. This is what we need to do there's an opportunity in the whole industry because we started as consultants and we were telling them, Hey, this is what you should do. And then they were telling us, well, we don't know how to do it. 
So then we were like, okay, well, we'll hire some people and not only tell you what to do, but help you do it. Yeah. And then it came to the point where we're like, well, and you should really get some better systems. But then they were like, but there aren't any better systems. So go. we're like, okay, this is what we need to do. So we need to kind of grow in this direction, take the next, and it really took about five years, I think, to truly learn and understand the business completely and help them along the way fix little problems. But all of it kind of led to taking all of those learnings and fix fixes of little problems and bring it into a single product that then can be sold to the industry as a whole. Mm. Because, you know, a product like that is not something that we just set and made up. It's a product that evolved from years and years of, of learning course. and all the best practices are built into it. And, and it, that's kind of how the company started and how we converted from a consulting business very quickly into a product company. Well, and it, it sounds to me like you've, been doing this at the time where almost every one of the businesses I'm working with are noticing that there's a lot of stuff they do manually that can be automated right. and systemized. And so the time is ripe for the kind of work you're doing as well, regardless of industry. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I say that it's a bit of a luck and a bit of timing because, you know, we had a chance to see sort of the previous generation of systems, what they've done well and where they fell short. And, you know, you can learn a lot from that and not make the same mistakes. And I wish it was just a great visionary abilities, but it really is just kind of a lot of times looking back and learning yeah. from the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. 100%. <laughs> and what does the future hold for your organization? Well, you know, we uh, grew up in Canada as a company, and I think that created a unique grow up environment, if you will in a sense that Canada is a very interesting, when you compare it to US, in a sense that everything operates the same, like all the processes and the way lending is done, speaking you know, about our industry, it literally is exactly the same. The difference is that, it, is that it's 10 times smaller and you have some of the banks that are participating in the market are you know, even bigger than the US bank, for example. So what that does, it creates an environment that doesn't have a lot of really small or even medium-sized lenders. Like you very quickly go from small to medium to large, like, you know, some of our competitors in U.S., they grew up as companies and they were able to focus on credit unions only because there's so many credit unions. You can specialize in that and build your whole company around that, whereas we couldn't do that. We really had to be able to work with every size of financial institution, which really led to us creating a product that was very scalable. And it really created a lot of interesting advantages. And it created an interesting runway in Canada. So when you look in, in the future, you kind of have to understand that context. So what we're doing now is we're taking that same product, bringing it into the U.S. market and knowing that we can play at a very different scales and sizes of lenders mm -hmm. from really small to really large. And also being in Canada and dealing with a relatively small market, we have to be very good at playing at similar verticals. So it's not just automotive finance. It's also power sports, recreational, RV, marine. We even do mm -hmm. some amount of uh, consumer lending, like home repair and stuff. And, and it's all the same product. But, you know, that kind of a unique environment really led to scalable product, both vertically and horizontally. We're talking here more than a year into the COVID and the reaction to COVID and the demand for all of those products and services and the lending that goes with it is off the charts. So I'm guessing your customers are doing very well and they're busy and, and your technology is helping them grow and scale even faster, yes? Yeah, 100%. I mean, one of the things that really differentiated us is that uh, our products are all cloud-based. So, you know, when the time came for our lenders to work from home, it was basically a non-event. Like, it was just continue to work from home. Everything works the That's same. Great. 
That's and great. so that was that was a big win. But but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it was an interesting year. There was a bit of up and downs. Like you know, last spring was quite low in volume. Everything kind of stopped. But then it came back really quickly. And especially for some reason, power sports industry, everybody seems to be buying you know boats oh, yeah. and ATVs and snowmobiles. <laughs> In fact, this afternoon, I'm interviewing my longtime client and friend, Chris Carlson, who built and, and sold a great power sports business. So I'm quite familiar with that industry here in Minnesota as well. And uh, you can't find a snowmobile right now, no, no matter oh, yeah. what. 100%. It's crazy. 100%. It's crazy. So, Daniela, let's have you talk to the facts a little bit. Tell me about your team. How many people? I know you have a development team out of North America. So tell me about the organization a little bit. We currently have about 150 people and most client-facing roles, so implementation consultants, project managers, some of the IT roles and part of the uh, support and sales team is located in Canada. And uh, most of our technical staff, developers, QA, they would be in Serbia. We currently have about 46 people in Canada and, and the remaining of people are actually in Serbia mm. in, in the two offices in Belgrade and Kragujevac. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's I want to shift gears off the company and talk about your personal leadership journeys. And one of you or both of you can answer any of these questions. So I'm going to leave that up to you and Vlad, I hope you're smart enough to let your integrator and partner <laughs> go first uh, occasionally. So, first question is about the first time in your life you saw somebody leading and you recognized it as leadership. Who was it? What were they doing? And what do you remember about the impact that had on your life? So my earliest recollection of, of somebody being a leader is my dad. He was one of the top executives at the uh, car manufacturing plant in Serbia. And uh, he would take me to work with him all the time. I was even sitting in a lot of his meetings. Mm -hmm. And I actually remember this one time they were uh, negotiating this big contract with the car manufacturer in, uh, in U.S. And he took me to a few of the lunches that, that they had to help him translate some of this stuff. And, and it was just such an unforgettable experience mm -hmm. seeing all of these superstars, these amazing people, and actually... Being able to talk to them and seeing them in action was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, how has what you observed in those early days impacted your development as a leader? Do you remember things you saw that worked that you try and do yourself? And do you remember things you saw that didn't work that you try and avoid? Yeah, there were certainly both. There was a lot of uh, passion for business that in my mind uh, is something that it's so critical and absolutely number one thing. You got to love what you do. That fire has to exist because as an entrepreneur, you spend so many hours, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, that it's an absolute must. So seeing some of that was just uh, very motivating for me. And just integrity and, and kind of hard work and persistence are mm. some of the characteristics that kind of impacted me and my leadership style later on. Some of the things maybe that I didn't necessarily agree with and, and, and I didn't think were characteristics of a great leader 
were around the approach. I always feel that, uh, you know, taking time to listening, getting your ego out of the way, and then having a certain level of compassion and, uh, and, and empathy is just so critical in addition to all of those other things. So I also got to see some styles that I necessarily didn't agree <laughs> yeah. and, and tried not to model yeah. <laughs> now. I, I'm thinking about senior leadership in uh, auto manufacturers <laughs> in the 80s and 90s that you're saying ego played a very important role. <laughs> yes. Not particularly shocking. That's yes, a great story. A, a lot of loud conversations and yeah. yelling. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of chest beating and yes, that's great. Thank you. For for sharing that. Vlad, anything uh, on your end? What was your first recollection of somebody leading? I think for me, it was a little bit different just because maybe as boys growing up in Serbia, we were very much focused on um, kind of being a part of a team, like, you know, playing soccer, growing up as kids, doing things. And you know how whenever you have 10 kids doing something, somebody has to emerge as a leader. So, you know, you, you always kind of look up to older kids and we grow up by mimicking. So I had a lot of opportunities to see things that I liked and didn't like. And it became very clear to me, kind of like what Daniela was saying, is that strong egos, I, I would say it differently. I would say strong egos are very important, but they need to be used properly. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of more what stood out for me growing up in the 90s in Serbia, because for anybody who's lived through that time, it was just complete and utter chaos. And mm -hmm. it was up to us as kids to choose which path we're going to take. And, you know, a lot of my friends went down the good path and a lot of them went down the bad path. And it, it really just became a matter of personal awareness and, you know, who do you choose to follow? Like I said, I think having a strong ego was critically important, but using it the right way. Yeah, great. Thank you. Tell me about the first big success you two shared in your business career. What was it? What happened? And how did you celebrate? That's a tough one. I don't know, Daniela, do you have anything specific or I can think of something? Maybe just uh, this recent partnership that we have closed is, is a good example. Well, no, there's a lot of interesting milestones, I think. But, you know, if I look back, what's the earliest one that I can think of? I would say probably the earliest one I can think of is when we brought in our first group of partners into the business back in 2010 and 11. You know, we essentially... Uh, have completed that journey with helping the company grow up and mature. And I'm talking about our custom, our initial customer. Mm -hmm. And we were sort of doing the transition of, okay, we're no longer focused on a single customer. We're now focused on, we're going to expand and bring other people in. And uh, I remember distinctly at that point, we brought onto our company board we, and, and, and even the shareholder ownership group, we brought in a few people in and they helped us close a deal with uh, Richie Brothers because uh, that, that was a big win and that was a huge milestone in a sense that we now had a second customer and, and that was going to use our product in, in a big way and it was, a, it was a really big milestone. How we celebrated, I don't remember. I remember there being a few dinners and late nights, but uh, that's probably all I can remember. I actually think there was a, a big party uh, after that where we invited the client and all of our people. Uh, it, nice. it was actually really fun. That, that was a good example. Yeah, nice. And tell us about the last partnership that uh, you wanted to mention, Daniela. I was just saying for, um, especially uh, since COVID started, there was a lot of uncertainties. And, uh, and even prior to that, Vlad and I were looking into finding the right partner so that we can approach things slightly different. As an entrepreneurial company who is focused on growth, you are 
very often reactive and don't have an opportunity to be proactive in your approach. So we were always talking about that and we were talking about what's coming, what is our three-year, five-year strategy, the whole U.S. expansion that, that Vlad mentioned. And for a really long time, we were uh, talking about bringing on a partner uh, who could open some doors for us, but also provide some capital that would help us with that expansion and really allow us to be more proactive in our approach, kind of looking what's coming our way, hire people, train them so that we are ready when when the work and and the volume comes our way. So yeah, we, we recently, in December last year, after over a year looking for different opportunities and really just making sure that it's a right fit for us from the culture perspective and from the strategic alignment, we kind of found a partner and that was also kind of really big milestone for the business and for us personally as well. Nice. Thank you. Let's flip the tables a little bit. Have you ever felt stuck or frustrated, not sure what to do as a leader? Have you ever made a terrible mistake? Give me an example of something you wish you could do over again. I would say every day. It <laughs> 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 just is a different level of magnitude. Well, I, honestly, I, I really think that kind of, you know, they say we talked about parallel with kids, you know, small children, small problems, <laughs> bigger children, bigger the problems. Yeah. It's the same thing with the business, right? The, the magnitude and the severity of everything just goes up significantly. And so I think both Daniel and I deal weekly with some form of a smaller or a larger crisis, right? Sometimes it's really small. But even small problems that may not be impacting the, the sort of the fate of the business, they can be impacting a fate of one individual or they can impact how people perceive either customers or somebody who works for us on the team, how they perceive us as leaders or, or us as a company. So I wouldn't say that it's a lesser amount of burden. It's just, you know, it may not be as big of a decision, but it's just as difficult and it's as easy to make mistakes and kind of do something and then be like, well, I really should have done that differently. So I really think it happens daily. It's just a magnitude of impact. What are your disciplines, Vlad, for preparing for and and figuring out what you're going to do in these inevitable situations where you've got a crisis and you've got to extract yourself from it? Have you changed the way you operate? Yeah, over the years, for sure. And um, we do a lot of uh, behavioral analysis and assessment for everybody who joins our team, including ourselves. And for me, that's something that our senior partners in the, in the team uh, have brought to us from their previous businesses. And that was really, really helpful and, and gave us a lot of data and numbers, obviously being in, into software engineering, both of us do care about the data and numbers. So one thing that came out of it for me was basically to control myself to be less impulsive and make decisions less quickly. So, you know, to just listen more and slow down and take the time to before I make a decision, because, you know, I can make a decision immediately and I'll be 100% comfortable with it. But then, I, you know, day or two later, I'll be like, well, that really wasn't the best decision. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniela, has he been able to transition his decision-making style at home as well as at work or maybe not so much? Yeah, no, I think it's actually uh, working quite well uh, as we were working in the business. And he mentioned kind of how we approach uh, all of those things. You learn so much about yourself. We learn so much about each other and each other's styles. And similarly, as in business and home, uh, you, you also kind of learn to to manage those situations better. Yeah, for sure. I want to go there a little bit because everybody I interview is both a leader in their business and a leader reluctantly sometimes at home. 
And so what have you found are the parallels and what are you found are the differences in being good parents and being good leaders of your business? That's really interesting because I really honestly try to do it all the same. I try not to behave differently sort of at home or at work or with kids, regardless of what the situations are, because if I was trying to do that, it would be impossible to manage it. And how do you flip a switch? And now you're one person, now you're another. So I really think that in some ways, not being able to have those two sort of profiles and you know, at work, you're one person and at home, you're a different person. I really think that actually helped us grow the business because there's nowhere to hide. Like, you know, you can't go to work and pretend to be something you're not or the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot of those things by that you said uh, earlier, I feel that apply not being impulsive, uh, taking time to listen and, and understand. And really one thing over the time that really resonated with me and, and that was my focus is really doing the right thing. When we talk about the business, just even going back to the basics, like what is your vision? What are the core values? What is the strategy? At every moment in time, focus on doing the right thing and disregard all of these outside distractions, all of these negative comments, uh, maybe some toxic environments and people, but just really focus on being on track. And, And I feel like that a lot of those approaches from what I've learned personally in the business apply in in, in personal life as well. And do you see your children at home and your employees at work absorbing that approach and learning how to do that themselves? I'd say 100%, yeah. That's great. And I think that's the key to really building something that, uh, that is lasting. With the home side of it, you want the kids to grow up and be independent and do things on their own. And, and not depend on us. And it's the same thing at work. Like yeah. you want the teams to grow up and uh, evolve and essentially learn how to operate and run without us. And actually, that's one of the things that I'm actually the most proud of. Mm. The environment that we have created in, in, in uh, at Innovatic is, is a highly collaborative environment. We tried not to build too much vertical separation and too many layers. There is no bureaucracy. We are very agile and we move fast. We keep things that work, try to eliminate all those distractions and things that that are not efficient and not working for us. Um, And really taking time to know each other and and build these great uh, relationships. So so, uh, at Innovatech, I really felt that culture and those core values were uh, fundamental for for our success today. Really good stuff. How would the people at work describe your leadership style, Daniela? So I guess if you would ask them about uh, my leadership style, I would say number one, passion. I'm so passionate about business. I get super excited even yeah. talking about yeah, Innovatech I can, and, and I actually, can see it. Yeah. <laughs> and having an opportunity to work on the business and in the business on a daily basis. And like I've mentioned earlier today, as an entrepreneur, we spend so much time in the business on a daily basis that you just can't afford not to absolutely love it. Like that That's fire right. has to exist. Yeah. And then besides that, I would just say that integrity and hard work, persistence and determination would be some of the other Mm -hmm. words that that people uh, would use, but also compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the key reasons why, as Innovatech, we are where we are today and why we are so successful is because we have these super amazing people that, that work for us and that put so many hours every single day. So actually, taking time to listen to these people, uh, to care and understand is the most important thing in mm. my mind. Really good. Thank you. What about you, Vlad? Uh, well, I think with me, it's a little bit different. Uh, I think uh, most people would say 
if you ask them that I think that everything is easy and that it can be done quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and I, and I, and I get it. And I, you know, sometimes I do it with full awareness, but probably people would also tell you that I still tend to make decisions too quickly and jump into things. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things that I think is needed for us to move forward because you have to see the opportunity and be willing to take some calculated risks and, and chances. And, uh, you know, the team sometimes loves it, but sometimes they hate it because it puts us all in a, in a maybe sometimes difficult position. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really interesting that you focused on attributes that maybe, maybe you wish you were able to change or maybe that people would call out as difficult. And Daniela focused on things she thinks make her a good leader. So now I here it's what I want to do. I want to flip the tables. So Daniela, tell me what people say about Vlad when they're complimenting him. What are the attributes he has that that help you grow your company and run a great business? I think uh, one of the greatest ab- attributes would definitely be his ability to to see the future and to create that vision for the company and to really understand some of the gaps that exist in the industry can be bridged by the latest technology and, and the latest innovations. He's also a really hard worker and very persistent and puts a lot of time into ideas and, and really driving things that he believes in. Right. And the stunning good looks as well, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. okay, good. I just <laughs> wanted to make sure we got that in there. And then, Daniela, another question for you. Is there anything you think people say about you or that, that is an attribute or characteristic of yours that you'd like to change or work on? Yeah, I think I tend to move fairly quickly. I figure things out uh, where I want to go and then I'm on the mission (laughs) to complete it. Mm. So sometimes I still try, I've been working on this for a really long time and I still catch myself sometimes doing it, but but really taking uh, time to to explain things, to make sure we're all on the same page, to get everybody on team to be in sync is still something that that uh, I put uh, a lot of emphasis and work on too. Awesome. (laughs) And I would definitely like to improve going forward. Thank you couple questions about the relationship, not just between a husband and wife team starting and growing a business together, but also the visionary and integrator pairing and making that relationship work. What do you think the keys to your healthy relationship are? And is there anything you constantly need to work on? Well, I think there's always things you need to work on. There's no question about it. But I think, I don't know if it's just over the years or how we got to that point, but I think both of us know when to push and when to let it go. And it's rare that both of us are pushing and, and we're not letting the other person explain at least why they're believing that what they're so passionately defending or pushing for makes mm-hmm. sense. So I think that that really is the key because, you know, Daniela can tell when I'm seriously, you know, my, my mind is set that we got to do something. And then over the years, learn to understand not to question it, even though it's incomplete and let me sort of run with it and then fill in the gaps. And then same thing the other way around, you know, when she says that something can be done and she's obviously very passionate about it, then I know to be like, okay, well, maybe it really can't be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. And, and what I heard in there is you're leaning into the disagreement and working through it together as opposed right. to harboring resentment about the disagreement and not working through it. Is that yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and then communication is such a critical piece, just not to leave things, okay, you know what, I disagree, I'm upset, but rather talk through it. And, and then very often through this discussion, you, you really learn new things and, and maybe, you know, change your mind in the approach at the end. <laughs> yeah. 
And what do you have a meeting pulse? Are you in regular same page meetings? What's your communication protocol that helps you keep those lines of communication open? You know, that's a great question. And uh, we unfortunately all work on opposite cycles. Like I like to work early in the morning. Daniela likes to work late at night. So that basically comes in the form of I'm done for the day. And Daniela is constantly trying to get me to do something late at night. And yeah, it's, it's usually nine o'clock and he, he's falling asleep in the chair. And I'm like, oh, good. And I make some loud noise and say, oh, good, you're awake. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Right. So that's the meeting pulse. You know, we, we, <laughs> Daniela catches me at, at when I'm incapable of arguing or saying mm. no and gets me to agree to all kinds of things. So step I, I, one isn't the segue. <laughs> it's making a loud noise to wake your husband up. And then yes. we segue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but, all, right. kidding, but right. all kidding aside, one thing that I really love is actually throughout the week at lunchtime, we actually live here in North Vancouver and there's a lot of paths to hike and, and go outside mm. and, uh, for nature walks. So we often throughout the week schedule these, I call them, make sure we're on the same page uh, meetings. So we go for a quick hike and and then we discuss what is kind of the goal for the week and towards the end of the week how did we do and and what do we need to be uh, Mm -hmm. do better next week Mm. great idea great yeah my wife and i take walks together all the time and have some of our best conversations when when we're right focused on the hike but able to speak freely so cool here's the last question from each of you please Picture there's a young entrepreneur 20 years ago in your business career is just getting started, just trying to figure out how to become the best leader they can be. If they asked you for one sentence worth of advice, what would you tell them? I would say that the most important thing they need to focus on is is clarity. Because once you have the clarity, whether it's clarity of execution, clarity of vision, clarity of communication, more clarity you have, the easier it is going to be on that journey because it is an incredibly challenging journey in so many ways. And it's that clarity that allows you to kind of stay persistent and stay focused and overcome the challenges because you see something that you believe in and you know that it's doable, even though others may say it's not, or they might be supportive, like whatever, but that's going to allow you not to stray away from the right path. Is that clarity? Yeah. Great stuff. Daniela. I would say believe in yourself and in your vision, be persistent, don't give up and don't allow the negative comments from either situations and events uh, around you impact you and derail you from the track that you're on. Yeah, great stuff. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with the two of you. I'm sure the listeners have written down dozens of great notes and nuggets from what you've shared. Before I let you two go, tell the audience where they can go to learn more about your company and about the two of you. For sure. Uh, Our website is innovatech.com. And I'll tell you a funny story. Innovatech is a combination of innovation and technology, but I misspelled it, so it ended up with one N. Mm. Uh, And somebody told me years later that they loved how I spelled Innovatech with one N. And I'm like, oh, there's two N's in innovation? (laughs) (laughs) So this is what happens when you let the visionary decide what your URL is? Is that that the... That's (laughs) That's great stuff. And the company name and everything. Innovatech.com with one N. That's right. Perfect. Perfect. Great pleasure speaking to both of you. Thank you so much for giving the gift of leadership to our listeners. Thank you. It was really great being on the podcast. Yeah, really enjoyed it. If you're running your business on EOS, you know we value open and honest feedback. So please open up your podcasting app and leave us a review. Let us know if there's anything we can do to make the podcast better 
or help you along on your own entrepreneurial leadership journey. 